0: Howdy campers, it's Lauren Marie Taylor and you are listening to the Not The Final Girl Podcast from outside at sleepaway camp. Okay, so obviously I'm not really at camp because you can hear some traffic, maybe the next door neighbors, maybe the dog barking, but there are crickets, so I'm sort of feeling a little on the campy side today. Anyway, Felissa Rose is in the house today, and she is probably one of the most positive people I've ever met in my life. On today's episode, she talks about conventions, sleepaway camp, of course, projects that she's doing, and some of the most interesting things that she's ever autographed, one of which had my jaw fall open, and I don't get shocked by a whole lot of stuff. So without further ado, let's chat it up with Felissa Rose. Thanks to my Patreons, Tom Chrissy and Julie Dove. Thanks, guys, for sponsoring the show. Let's
1: go. Well, hello there. <laughs> Finally. It <laughs> <laughs> oh. was how long ago? Was that
0: <laughs> I know. Wait, what was it? Was it November? November. You know, it doesn't feel like that long ago to me. It feels no, like it uh, like last month.
1: That was an amazing trip. I want to go back so badly. Yeah, oh, Do you
0: realize that nice. that was my first international trip?
1: <gasps> that was your first one?
0: Yeah, I mean, not like in all of life, but it was my first uh, no, no, international no, con
1: yeah no uh, that's amazing mine was like two weeks before i went to england that was my first one really germany was my second yeah isn't it crazy that we're just starting on these international trips oh i think we We need need more more.
0: oh they're so wonderful i just went to london um at the end of february yeah oh it was great oh felice it was so much fun was this for the love of horror Uh, This was for the London Comic Con, believe it or not. So there were a lot of uh, Doctor Who people there. Yeah, it was really, it was really different. It was very cool. I actually was able to get flown in a day early. So I had two full days to myself to explore. (laughs) Oh, that's it was so
1: important. That's, I actually, when I went to England in October, I went like October 13th and I stayed five days later because I just needed time to decompress. It's a big trip, mm-hmm. right? It's so good to just kind of explore and be a part of that culture and landscape and take everything in, I think. We're given that beautiful opportunity. Like people and travel are my two favorite things. So this was just a match made in heaven for me going to conventions.
0: Yeah, I think we're a lot of alike in that way that we really do enjoy being out there and meeting all of the fans of our work and the supporters.
1: It's so marvelous. I mean, I've made my best bestest best friends at conventions i i always say i don't know what i would do in my life without them because they're family reunions for me um in different it's like in different cities i have different families and i long for them and when i get there it's like just an incredible reunion of sorts and i don't know i'm just so grateful i i i don't even think i see it any longer as like i'm going to a convention Mm -hmm. i see it like it's the fabric of my life and I'm so super grateful and just meeting people and the connections we we have together are so beyond any expectations I ever had, far and above having made a movie in nineteen eighty-two. This is like on a real deep profound personal level meeting people and i'm a huge horror fan myself so it also kind of you know i get to the convention and i'm like i'm fangirling over everyone like we were saying yeah just, I crazy. Gosh.
0: they're just wonderful and with social media especially when you're traveling far away uh for example we were both in england and we were both in germany and there are friends there who follow us on Instagram. So when they come to the table, aren't you the same way as I am, you say, Oh my God, it's so nice to see you because you feel like you already have a relationship with them from social.
1: You're so beautiful. Yes, <laughs> I I absolutely agree with that. And that seems to be the, you know, the best part is just meeting everyone and, and being able to keep in touch through social media. And just, you know, I don't know, it's it's like it's so hard to even explain how what joy we get from it. Like the energy in the rooms, palpable. The excitement, the happiness. That's why these weekends are so beautiful because I look forward to them. And and then no matter where you are in the world, they're the same. It's yeah. the same love, the mm-hmm. same happiness, the same like you know embracing of one another. Mm-hmm. There, it's the greatest community in the world. I often say. I wish the whole world would take a page out of out of the horror community book because if we emulated what happens at our horror community, we would be so much better. Agreed. No judgment. Mm-hmm. Complete love. Complete love.
0: And support too. Everybody supports each other in the in the community. Yeah. When you attended your first convention, what was your reaction? Did you have any idea of the love that was out there for your little 1982 movie?
1: Oh my gosh, I we had no idea. Our, our first convention was in 2001. It was Fangoria Weekend of Horrors. Mm-hmm. And we were so generously asked to come and do a panel with almost the whole cast. All the oh, cast. comedy wow. plays Meg wasn't there. She just had her baby. Mm-hmm. And so we all went, the director, the cast, and we, I thought if one or two people show up, I'd be elated. But It was standing room only, and we were right after Friday the Thirteenth. We were shocked that people stayed, and and we signed for hours afterwards. And it was like I was put in this beautiful balloon and like thrown across the like the the horror genre skies, and I just couldn't stop smiling. I was so completely happy and genuinely blown away by uh the response.
0: When we hug people and they hug us back, it's for oh, real.
1: It is so important. I mean, just you know, again, aside from it being about the movies and the horror community, on a personal level for me, I actually wanted to be like a therapist or a counselor or a preschool teacher. I, I love people, I love children and I just Think this sort of gives me the opportunity to really sit and talk with people, and mm-hmm. and I don't know, it's it's just very, it's from the heart. It's yeah. all of it, and again, the genre has always been about honesty and authenticity.
0: You remember Bill Randolph, who was in Germany with of us? Of
1: course. Yeah, oh my yeah. Gosh, I love your bestie. You're dusty. Yeah, magnificent. Oh my gosh, he is, he's
0: my my travel partner. But I I will say we did drive in the Mahoning. Drive in. Have you ever been there? I've been there to do, isn't it the best? I loved it's it. Good. And can I tell you this? Now I'm going to be fangirling. with and You know, we all fangirl each other, which I think is oh, kind of funny. Uh, yeah. uh, but I will say I was there with Bill and Tommy McLaughlin, who directed Friday the 13th Part 6. But the next night, on that Saturday night, they played Sleepaway Camp, and oh, I had no. never seen it before. Oh my <laughs> gosh,
1: it's hilarious trippy. It's it is so, so weird.
0: Well, you know, when they play our movie, which is set in a summer camp, and then they piggyback yours right <laughs> afterwards, the differences were tremendous. Your movie really had, you know, the campers... Uh, and the whole summer camp experience where ours was just counselors in training.
1: Yours was so much more of a film, you know, I mean, breaking them down. It's funny, because the Boy camp was almost like somebody running around behind kids in a camp <laughs> in New York. <laughs> we all talk like this. Our shorts were way too short. Like, <laughs> it's just funny what I, it, it, it's, it's such a, an interesting, you know, Sleepaway camp is really an interesting film because it has such interesting subtext i'll get away from these dogs um (laughs) homoerotic undertones Mm -hmm. you know are really for that era so interesting like you didn't see any girl boobs it was only boys butts when you watch it it's like wow for 1982 to have you know just boys and and really sexual like um Everybody trying to figure out their gender identification mm-hmm. and sexual orientation mm-hmm. for 82 was quite interesting, I think. I dissuade because of the whole trans kind of, mm-hmm. you know, ideas around it. But I'm, um, you know, people say, you hey, you're not a monster because you're a trans person. I'm like, no, but you're a monster when you're bullied like that. She's killing because of the bullying aspect, not because of sexual orientation or gender or anything. So it doesn't, but the fact that we're even talking like this about it, a, you know, it has to do with a slasher. From the 80s mm-hmm. is quite interesting. And I think that's what's kept. Because again, Friday the 13th is marvelous. Like the whole franchise is big and broad and amazing and beloved and well known. Sleep like, like It was, like fell under the radar. It's such an odd little, little ditty. So.
0: What is one of the strangest things you've ever been asked to autograph?
1: Huh? <laughs> <laughs> will certainly okay i had uh so spoilers because if you are listening and you haven't seen sleepaway camp there is um the end of sleepaway camp has a a surprise a shocking <laughs> ending if you will um but maybe you know about it so the there was a beautiful young woman who came dressed as me from the ending so she had a flesh suit on and she had this Beautiful piece of <laughs> something eh, on her, and she put it on my table and said, Can you sign this? And I was so happy because, to me, when someone brings a beautiful doll or um, just you know, any kind of merchandise, either they've created mm-hmm. or they've purchased from Etsy or somewhere mm-hmm. or from a vendor at a, another convention, I'm so excited. But this was truly. Exciting! It was a pippy, and um, I couldn't stop touching it—a <laughs> real, uh, a real piece. I wanted to take it home with me. No. and so I signed it, and it was—it was really interesting. I've signed a little can of hot dog wieners. I've signed so many curling irons. Oh, of course, people's arms. Which is always um, chests, legs, which <laughs> I always marvel at because um, when when someone comes to my table, I was just at Mad Monster recently, and my friend Zach, he's become my friend. We met at a convention, and now he's stuck with me for life. I signed his leg, and he went, got it tattooed, and came back to me right <sighs> after. And I was like, oh. it's just, it's so poignant, and it does make me cry. I do cry <laughs> at my table, and I always say. It's out of joy because I can't process how happy I am, so yeah. it sort of comes out in tears. I'm a huge fan of yours. I've known your career for so many years. I still can't believe I'm on the phone with you. Like it's <laughs> it's just amazing to me.
0: You are too cute,
1: legendary. You are so beautiful inside and out. You're just an amazing human being.
0: Well, so are you. I was so happy to meet you for the first time in Germany. You That's know, I. Nice followed you on Instagram of course we all follow each other which is kind of funny <laughs> so we actually fangirl each other and I was so happy to see you I thought there she is cuz I've seen you at other conventions but it was always from afar and you always had a line and I always had a line and yeah, we never oh, got to reach yeah. Out. A lot of people think, think oh, oh, you got to meet so-and-so. You think, well, no, she was busy. I was busy. Whoops. Have you ever fangirled at a convention?
1: I'm like a ridiculous fangirl. I'm <laughs> the worst because I do get super anxious and nervous. Um, I felt that way many, many moons ago. He knows this because now he's one of my dearest friends and I have a podcast with him. Is Kane Hot? Oh, he's great. So, oh, he's such He's such a beautiful mm-hmm. person, such a heart. So, I just, you know, what attracts me is when someone is absolutely so genuine and, and he's so giving of himself and he really and truly cares. Um, we had a lot of, we've had a, shared a lot of moments at conventions with people. Um, we like to sit near each other. Mm-hmm. And again, at this mad monster, we had a lot of special moments with people um, where we just got into some heavy conversations they're pretty intense and it's very cathartic for all of us Mm -hmm. we feel like we and that's what horror movies are and i feel like the reason people love horror movies is because it does take us on an incredibly emotional journey Mm -hmm. and we have a certain release that we might not be able to do anywhere else so Um, And I fangirled over Adam Green, who I didn't know many years ago. I was terrified to meet him because I'm such a fan of his work. And then I ran to his table at a rocket shop like close to 10 years ago. And I just was mesmerized by his sweetheart and his talent. And he's so kind. And the fact that I've gotten to work with him is just has since you know, I still get all giddy and weird about it. And he knows, and I'm sure I'm annoying too. (laughs) He knows how much I love him. I really have always been. I was a huge fan of Hatchet when it came out and his other films, so... Yeah. Oh, he's just incredible.
0: So tell me about your early career because you're like me—you're a n- local New York girl. We actually have um, our college in common, as does Diane Franklin. We all—all all three of us went to NYU for a portion of our lives.
1: It's so crazy! I love her. I'm a fan of hers. So it's so great. Yeah,
0: she's a I doll. She's a sweetheart. So when you were—you were very young when you did sleepaway camp. Had you done anything before that? You know, like TV commercials?
1: I really wanted to become a musical theater actress. Uh Um, I was studying a lot from the time I was like three years old. I Uh. wanted to sing and dance. And that, you know, that's when Annie was like, uh, took over New York. Every single friend of mine was on the, you know, bus and truck tour or on Broadway. And I just... I was in a local dancing school singing my heart out. Uh, I suck. Um, I'm not a very good dancer. I'm not a very good singer. <laughs> you know, my parents were so supportive. They were like, keep going, little girl. Like, and then a local manager came in. So my very first audition for film, for feature film, was Sleepaway Camp. And that was my first. They And they said to me... Oh, you know, if you get this job, then we'll sign you. But at that time, because I'm dark hair and dark eyes, and I'm sure you can attest to this, if you weren't like a redhead with freckles Mm -hmm. or blonde and blue, Mm -hmm. and they would say that if you're not blonde and blue and you're not, they really, you really weren't commercial. So I didn't fit the stereotype in the 80s. It was more like Christy Brinkley, Cheryl Teagues. And um, so I was sort of like just very, um, they called me ethnic, which I didn't right. know if that word. Not at the time. Right? Like, did you ever hear this
0: before? I wasn't put in that box at all. I, sure. I was put in the, she has a horrible New York accent box.
1: <laughs> I was in that box too. still Still out.
0: But the good thing was I could sing. So I wound up, my first gigs were um, all of the Burger King commercials for three years. I did all of them. So I would do the jingles and then I would lip sync to my own voice in the commercial. And then once I went into the studio did the singing. And then I saw the, I heard my voice on TV and I thought, oh, I don't remember doing another one. And I looked up and it was a model, a very popular model at the time. Jane Modine was her name. Uh, she was always on the cover of Seventeen magazine. And there she is lip singing to my voice.
1: <laughs> wow. That's, uh, that's a <laughs> crazy and amazing I know what they did with commercials and it's incredible it really is and it was so much different I think back then I mean we're talking about the 80s you know I I wound up doing a bunch of commercials after Sleepaway Camp but certainly that was my first job and I wasn't the typical you know look that they really wanted but um I was still uh, Going to fight back and sing my heart out, and <laughs> I auditioned for Really Rosie. And, oh, you yeah. know, you remember that off Broadway show? Yes, um, I, do. So. Oh, I I just loved it. I, I love the business because you get to see friends at auditions. I was even a fan then. Like anyone, I was a huge fan of Catherine Codney. She was on All My Children. I was just a fan. Like my intentions weren't necessarily to really become like a professional actor. I didn't have that professional button, if you will. Like you were all like articulate and elegant. And I just felt like I was kinda like, I don't know, just a kid from the street and like, you know, frumpy and not really, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, I just wasn't I wasn't it. You know, you were the it girl and Kath Raymond, you had to have a certain sort of way about you. And I just Wanted to sing and dance, and I went to um, I went to elementary school and junior high with Idina Benzel. She was in fourth grade; I was in sixth grade. Everyone was like, "Oh, Felicity, you're going to get Mabel from Pirates of Penzance—that's the show they do for the for elementary school." I thought, "Oh, I'll get it," and this is kind of funny. She came in fourth grader a voice like an angel to this day, the most beautiful little girl in the world. She got Mabel, and my heart was crushed because I really wanted it, but they said, you got the Pirate King! Again, another male role. (laughs) You're going to play and see the dad. I am the very model of a modern major general. I was like, yes! And from there on, I played a lot of men because then I got the Princess, the Poet, and the Little Gray Man. I was the Little Gray Man! (laughs) So...
0: That was my career. Oh my gosh! <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it Sleep is
0: amazing. Away. Sleepaway Camp was your very first film audition, and you book it. What did your mother say when she read the script?
1: Uh, um, she was like, "All right, all right, for you, you got a job." I, I don't think you know. At the callback, they they. The producers did speak to all the moms because all of the kids, all of us, in fact, Alison Smith, who was hanging on Broadway, she was there to call back. Um, and so they spoke to all of the moms. Jane Krakowski. Oh, my God. She was cast as Judy. She was our original Judy. But unfortunately, I think it I think it conflicted with National Lampoon's um, vacation. And so she wasn't able to do it. But, and and we had Karen Fields, you know, and she's so marvelous in the role. But but what really happened was the producer spoke with um, the moms. And when they spoke to my mom, she was like, sure, you know, whatever kind of you need to do. I think she had a little bit of a stage mother in her. I always say my mother was like, of course, of course you could do whatever you want. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, (laughs) so they, They originally were planning to do something and then our effects artist, Ed French, decided to choose a different way that didn't really involve me. So I think that sort of made everyone uh, feel better because, you know, I did have boobs so they couldn't couldn't show my boobs on screen.
0: Yeah. Did your mom have to stay with you during the filming? Did she the go up to the, the whole time she did? She
1: was there the whole time. She was the only parent there. And we, I was the youngest, but the oldest was like 18. So they, we were young. We were 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. Um, and then the counselors were 18. Yeah. So we were young, but a lot of our actors were already well seasoned, uh, you know, Christopher Calais, who was an amazing actor. He was already New York City, mm-hmm. you know, well versed um, actor who had done a, a ton of films and commercials and, and shows. So, yeah, she was thrilled. Though she, <laughs> my parents were always so supportive and just excited if I was happy. Yeah, and that's sort of been the whole my whole life.
0: What was your reaction as you're reading through the script? And, you know, there's some kooky characters in that movie. Uh, what was your reaction when you got to the end? Did it sink in? Were you, like, hyper aware of what that meant?
1: I really wasn't. When I auditioned, I was 12.
0: Oh, so you were baby. Yeah, I was
1: 12. And then when I, and then I turned 13 when I got the part. So I was a new 13-year-old. And when I read the script, I mean, you know, It read to me like, oh, camp, fun, kissing boys, (laughs) you know, going swimming, playing volleyball, you know, canoe riding. But to me, there was no real like, oh, that cook is crazy or that ending is shocking. It was sort of it read as just one big fun can't be exciting adventure. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't until I saw it when I was like 14 and a half, and I actually saw the final scene on the big screen, and I thought, wow, that's what we did? Like, it really was very shocking to me as it was to the audience, because you know, as well as anyone, when you make a movie, it's shot out of sequence, and you really don't know how it will play out, mm-hmm. and I remember leaving and wrapping the film and thinking, "I hope I make it into the movie, and I hope I did a pretty good job." Where you know people, you know, remember my character, or um, I just didn't recognize what the true impact was. Yeah,
0: yeah. I have to say, I saw Sleepaway Camp at the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. <laughs> All right, uh, and I got, I got to tell you. I was sitting outside. I was all bundled up. I was next to my car, and Bill Randolph. I think he was sitting somewhere else with Tommy McLaughlin, the director of Friday Part Six. And I'm sitting there with blankets around me, trying to get the whole experience, you know, of watching it. And I screamed. I, I swear. I think somebody called the cops because they thought a woman was being attacked. But I screamed when I saw the ending. <laughs>
1: that's amazing that's amazing and that's so exciting because i mean certainly i think you know that reaction is wonderful and warranted and uh listen you know it's definitely something that the director was hoping
0: uh have, were, were there ever talks of doing a sequel
1: um, so they did so right after sleep um, it came out, and believe it or not, it it, it did really well, believe it or not. <laughs> it did well. It was against Yento, which is kind of funny. Um, Barbara Streisand I know.
0: <laughs> Oh, yeah, you blew <laughs> her out of the water, for sure. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it, it it was successful November 18th of 1983, and it came out again in June of 84, and um, it, then it sort of went away, and we didn't really hear about it until the internet, but in eighty seven. I got a call, I had the same managers and they said, you know, they're doing parts two and three, would you like to read? It's a new director. I said, certainly. Um, and I, had just gotten into NYU Mm -hmm. early decision, Mm -hmm. early admission. Um, I, it was the only school I wanted to go to. And so I went and the director asked me, you know, I sucked at reading the lines because now she was coming into her own and she was written as a more, you know, met uh, a character and she was sarcastic and wisecracking and I just didn't understand that tone mm-hmm. because I only knew the awkward shy character of Angela so I kind of went to the manager and said I don't think I really read very well and and he already had his eyes set on Pamela Springsteen Bruce Springsteen's sister uh-huh. and um they had done fast times at Ridgemont High together so with this I called NYU they said no you'd have to reapply you allowed in and i you know the process oh yeah the interview and the audition and getting into the actual university there's so much that goes into getting you know going to Tisch school of the arts so i thought i'll probably be better off if i go and study then take on a role that i suck at and they were filming them back to back in georgia so he went and did them and they they're so great i'm such a fan of of the director and of uh pamela springsteen they're awesome and then i went on to do return to sleep boy camp in 2003 we filmed with the original writer director robert hiltzik so i actually got to be an adult woman (laughs) playing a character that i won't there's a lot of twists and turns in that one but i actually got to be an adult on camp where i could drink and run around and get crazy (laughs) couldn't do that at 13 Couldn't, (laughs) couldn't drink with everybody so
0: we we talk about sleepaway camp, but you had a huge film career. I know you took a little bit of time off. You know, obviously you have. Uh, well, old. Well, how your kids are? What teenagers now?
1: Yeah, yeah, almost 13, 15, 17.
0: And you have a couple clones, right? And your, your girls are your clones, if I remember <laughs> I correctly. Do.
1: I always say, I have a Meg and a Judy. I have a, a Meg and a Judy. I'm ready to kick them out. They're they to see in a, in a remake. They're crazy. Teenage <laughs> girls.
0: Uh, okay. At what age did you allow your kids to see Sleepaway Camp?
1: Oh, super young. Super young. I have a, a horror-filled house. My husband is... I actually met my husband because he was um, a, a tremendous fan of Sleepaway Camp. He he has a band, and that's how we met. His band is called Camp Kill Yourself, which is sort of a nod to Friday the Thirteenth and Sleepaway Camp. Oh wow! Um, he'd be thrilled knowing and speaking with you. Huge <laughs> Friday the Thirteenth fan, um, and he uh, he and I have shown our kids pretty much everything from the time they were probably way too young, like five, <laughs> six, seven. They saw mine at around nine. I'd say like maybe seven, nine. And we skipped through a few parts and I don't think they really quite grasped the ending, but they uh, they understood because they came to conventions with me. And I was always the kind of mom that spoke really um, respectfully to my children, not like they were couldn't understand in their babies. I really spoke.
0: Yeah, you don't pander to them.
1: No, no, no. I just, you know, you'll grow up and understand and we should be in this together. I respect you as a person.
0: Did any of your kids follow in your footsteps or show an interest in doing that?
1: None. Really? None. And I've had to uh, force them <laughs> into, certain, uh, <laughs> into certain movies if they need kids. I'll like, say, hey, come on. And, and, they, I always say they're going to thank me. Like I produced um, Slayer's uh, three videos off their *Repentless* album, and uh, they were like little horror movies. And Danny Trejo and Bill Mosley and Caroline oh, Williams, love them. And bunch of people are in them. And my girls got to play the kids to Bill Mosley, Caroline Williams getting killed by Danny Trejo. And I thought, isn't this exciting? They were probably like seven and nine, and they were like, no, no. <laughs> It's really not like you're covered in blood screaming. And they're like, okay, like take us to the candy store. Like you
0: said, lady, Um. my oldest daughter came with me to an audition and it was for, I think, cabbage patch dolls or something like that. And she's very headstrong. Okay. It's Katie, my oldest, very headstrong. She still is. And which is a good, a good thing for her uh, being a New York city girl. But so she comes with me, and she must have been, oh, maybe eight years old or so. And they handed her the doll, and there was a little bit of dialogue. I had to, like, talk to her and whatnot and say, oh, would you like to take the doll in the bath with you? And she looked at me from underneath her eyelids. She goes, I don't like this doll. Oh, I love her <laughs> so much. I was so mortified because she didn't have any lines. You know, in the script, you know, for that commercial, and it was a thirty-second thing, and I looked at her and I, I, you know, you're you're mortified, but you're trying not to show that you're what mortified. Did
1: you say? I love her. Though. That's a I, great
0: response. I, I said to her, I said, "Well, can you just make believe for thirty seconds?" She looked right at me. She went,
1: "Nope." Oh, I love her.
0: Even now, oh, when she God. says no to me, she still says it like that. She goes, "Nope."
1: That's cool. great. <laughs> it's so funny. My oldest daughter is the same very headstrong and would have said the same thing. Uh, to be quite <laughs> honest, those were the big dolls in our day. And they are kind of... <laughs> <you>. <laughs> those <Kevin laughs> Cabbage trash dolls are a lot.
0: So you've been out in L.A., right? Or the L.A. area for yes. forever, right? How, how soon after Sleepaway Camp did you move out west?
1: I was um, in New York until I was about... Thirty one, thirty two. So I'm. I cannot believe I'm out here for twenty years. Um, but yeah, I stayed in New York, and I love it. As you know, there's just no city like New York City. Um, just the energy and the uh, the joy I get. We we try to go back every year, every summer. My family's still there. So I've been here twenty years, but I stayed there, and it's a tough city. I did way better coming out here. Um, <laughs> Just because, you know, it's, it's hard. It's, you know, if you can make it there, you can make it anywhere. Yeah. Same it, is true. Yeah. It's, it's definitely um, tough. But I love it. I love New York.
0: So you mentioned that you're a big horror movie fan, right? Yes, okay. Yes. Think about the villains. If you could play one of the classic villains, who would it be?
1: That's such a great question. And that I, no one has ever asked me. And it's a really hard one because I am a huge fan of, Freddie and Jason and Michael and Leatherface. Um, I think a great villain might be Mrs. Voorhees. Oh, I yes, think she's, she's awesome. a fabulous villain, and I just I think I could really sink my teeth into that, Mama, Mama. Uh, <laughs> as I think about it I'm getting beginning to say you're gonna do a remake and you'll be her. <laughs> uh, we're gonna do it. Um I love I love the character. I loved Betsy Palmer. Yeah. Um so yeah, that might be the role. That might be it. But there are so many fascinating, you know, characters out there. Um so yeah, I just I don't know. There's there's many I know I'll hang up and I'll be like, and this one and that one, yeah. but all of the, you know, all of the I love Victor Crowley. Um, My kids, my son is terrified of Victor Crowley. Why? I love that character. I don't know. He thinks he's just really frightening looking. It just creeps him out. He's really scared. It creeps him out, which is a great thing. It's just such a compliment. You know, it's like if you're scared and you're kind of like, (gasps) and and this character makes you jump, that's really kind of, you know, wonderful. Yes.
0: Was there ever a role that you auditioned for that you really, really wanted, really thought you were going to get? And it got away from you.
1: I auditioned for Charles in Charge, the one of the kids, uh-huh. uh, April something, I think got the part. So a lot of series stuff that I really wanted. I thought that would be super fun, being on something consistent, yeah. having a good time. You know, being on set is always a joy and it's and you become a family mm-hmm. with your cast and your crew. So I've never had that other than film. I've never been really on a series. Like, you've been on, on so many, and it's like, that's your life, your family, your existence. Oh, and yeah. It's so exciting. What is it like?
0: Oh, well, I was on that soap opera for, what, 12 years? Most of my adult life, I had all three children, while I was playing Stacy, so it really was a family. And you cry when people leave. You cry when people get let go. You cry when people, yeah. of course, when they when they pass. You're just heartbroken. Even after all these years, you'll see the occasional blurb. You know, like they, you know, how they do those in memory of at the Oscars and at yeah. the Emmys yeah. and at the daytime Emmys. It's, you know, when I'm watching those and a face will go by that I know it's, it's heartbreaking to see that because you think that that person was in my life for so long. And even if you do one project with them, like, like John Belushi, for example, I did one project with him. I did neighbors with him and it was a really intense time. And I was, I was, what, 19 years old when I did it. And it was, you know, you know that feeling of being on set with people day in and day out. They just become part of the fabric of your life. And when he passed away, you just can't put it into words. I'm sure you've you've experienced that over the the years.
1: Absolutely, yeah. We recently lost Aunt Martha Desiree Gould from Mm -hmm. Sleepaway Camp. And you do, you feel like, you know, you've... You, like, need these memories that are, are so, they're a bit difficult to explain because it's sort of like you said, the fabric of your life. They're, they're ingrained in, like, your existence and how kind of your life journey has been navigated because mm-hmm. they've been a part of such a, an incredibly tr- huge part of your world. I and mean, Sleep Boy Camp is my life it really is like it sounds strange to say but sleepaway camp is really i think it gave me a life my husband and because of my kids because of that and because my husband saw it at 12 and said i'm going to marry that girl so he put my face everywhere like where he was so i would see it and i did Aww. so it's sort of like and and a career because of it so i am grateful to sleepaway camp but everyone That's a part of that is a part of my life, in my system, in, in my whole existence.
0: Well, I saw it when we were in Germany, when I would watch you and Catherine together and you could almost finish each other's sentences. Oh,
1: it's amazing. I feel like I knew Catherine better than I know my own sibling. And it's not like we've, you know, we lost touch for so many years, But again, because you have that connection, that tie, that forever bond that only so many people know, it it completely picks up from there and you're in each other's, you know, heart and and mind and soul and everything from from forever.
0: Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. It really is. It is
1: beautiful. Mm -hmm. It is beautiful. Yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) What is something that fans would be surprised to know about you?
1: (gasps) that's such a good question um well i think people tend to see me as like an extrovert and party girl which <laughs> i'm a true gemini in that and i say it. i'm not a gemini like gemini gemini's have that bad rap rap of like oh you're a good girl or a bad girl you're nicer you're mean. my gemini is that when I'm in, I'm like outside of the house and, you know, with people and, um, at parties. Oh, I love to party. I love to have my drinks. I love to (laughs) laugh and have fun, but I'm a true homebody. I think at heart, I love to curl up and my family knows they said, like, just sit on the couch and play with my puppies and, uh, talk to my kids or, you know, just read or watch a movie and be really still and quiet and i think just being really quiet and and homebodyish i think that that might come as maybe a shock i'm not always like woohoo let's get the party started <laughs> um i really do like to have a great meal at home whether mm-hmm. we cook or we bring it you know mm-hmm. and and just be really kind of in solitude and yeah and calm. And I think that's also replenishing the well because I get so excited and so crazy when I'm at the conventions mm-hmm. because I, I'm i like a lap dog. I am like a golden retriever like to see everybody, kiss everybody, keep everybody. <laughs> then I think my well needs to go home and sort of like breathe and build up and, and rejuvenate. Yeah,
0: so. I agree with you. My husband always knows when I come back from being with so many wonderful people at the conventions, he knows that I need a few days to just totally decompress because you do, you want to give a hundred percent to everyone you meet because they're taking their time to come and visit you and they're excited and you're excited to meet them. So it's not a lot of people think, Oh, you're putting on an act, but it's not, you are totally immersed with them, and it's true. You want to give them your all. So coming home, I, I I go right to baking when I come home. I decompress. I work the dough. I make bread, and I'm just quiet in my kitchen.
1: Happy. Yeah, I love listening to just good music. Mm-hmm. Maybe go to the beach, just or take a a walk. But it's certainly because, and you just said something really important. When we go to conventions. I'm amazed and thankful. Thank you to everyone who takes time out of their busy lives and their schedules and their families to come and visit us and talk to us. And thank you for allowing us to reminisce Mm -hmm. about a time in our lives that was so incredibly important and special. And just thank you. I just think this They've been the catalyst that brought us together, but in life, it's just about, I think, not the stuff, not the, you know, the, the work, the human connection, mm-hmm. the human interaction, the complete generosity that two people give each other and share in a moment is all we have mm-hmm. and all we will remember. That person made me laugh. That person... Made me cry, like in a good way, and shared with me, and it's that's what I get from conventions. You are such um, a
0: beautiful person, Felisa. I know, you really are.
1: You're wonderful. I see it, and I really like. I'm, I'm really like in my heart. I mean. I love to sit under a tree and just look into the sky and listen to the birds and think about how many beautiful people I've met. And I only have Sleepaway Camp, really, to thank for it.
0: Yeah, what have you been up to? I know you have to go soon, but what have you been up to film-wise? Because you've been busy in that area of your life as well.
1: I'm super excited. Thank you. I'm super excited for Terrifier 2 to come out. I I just stalked Amy Leone, the, <laughs> the writer-director effects a master. Um, I love him so much. Met him at a convention. Could not take myself away from him. I was like, I love Terrifier. Um, and David Howard Thornton, who plays Art the Clown, is mesmerizing. Um, so I'm fortunate to uh, I worked on that and to be part of that franchise, that family, and uh, stepdaddy with Vincent Ward and Thomas Churchill. Um, a bunch of films. Of course, I always forget like. Uh, Massacre Academy and uh, Bloody Summer Camp. I just worked with that team. We did Go Away. We just did Go Away, and that's coming out. And I'm working on a movie called Craving and The Demons Within and uh, Last Late Checkout and um, Wolf Hollow and Misery Mountain.
0: (laughs) Do you have a website that shows all of these things?
1: is because I want to give all these beautiful and amazing filmmakers a moment of you know, thanks. Like, thank you for having me. Thank you for putting yourselves out there. Thank you for having passion and living your dream and making these incredible movies. And my website is felissarose.com. And my beautiful friend Andrew, who lives in the UK, and I, I finally got to meet him, although we felt like we were family, has been running it for a million years.
0: You are a busy chick. Oh, my God. Do you sleep?
1: Um, I do sleep because another fact is I go to bed by like 8.30. I love being with my kids after they come home from school. I love taking walks with them and having ice cream with them and hugging on them. And um, then I say, good night, everybody. I will see you in the morning. And we all wake up at like 6.30 and go to school. Oh, and I don't know about you, but when I'm in love with... Um, a movie. Whether I'm really into true doc, true crime docs. So so am I with with true crime docs. Yes, I go and I have to learn everything leading up to that moment, everything about the people involved, everything about where they are today. I become like like a a PI. I'm like <laughs> I want to. I want
0: to. <laughs> now I will tell you when I'm down because you know everybody gets down, but when I'm feeling down, I sound like a song, don't I? When I'm feeling down. Uh, I watch Schitt's Creek.
1: And I haven't watched it, and so many people have recommended it to me. So I will take your word for it, especially some of my favorite people are in that. I'm going to watch it.
0: Yeah, you'll laugh. You'll okay. just laugh your boobs oh, off. that's
1: beautiful. <laughs> I love to hear you say that. And, you know, that's. Oh, it's good to have a go-to, like when you're feeling low or a little sad or anxious Mm -hmm. to have a go-to that lifts your spirits and we all need to laugh and remember we'll come back around it's okay we have each other all right.
0: Where can people follow you on social media for the two people in the world who don't follow you?
1: Um, I am on. I love Instagram. Felissa Rose one two three. It's tell our stories and pictures. Yeah. Um, I love Instagram. Um, I am on Facebook and I have a complicated name there. It's Felissa Rose Esposito Miller because it's my maiden name and my married name. And am Felissa underscore Rose on Twitter.
0: Thank you, and thank you thank for you. chatting with me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Are you kidding? Thank I'm, you, you beautiful, amazing, incredible woman. Thank you.
0: Ah, such a big thank you to Felissa Rose for being on the Not the Final Girl podcast. I can't wait to see you on August twentieth and twenty-first at the PA HorrorCon in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Don't forget to check out her website, FeliciaRose.com, and you will see all of the projects that she's doing, and all of her future appearances. And obviously, you can find me on Instagram at Taylor one That's the number one behind my name. If you want to support the show and get a shout out on a future podcast and some swag, just go to patreon.com slash podcast and find out how. Thanks again for listening, everybody. Don't forget to keep your doors locked and stay out of the woods.